Hi and welcome everyone to the 82nd episode of Serum Rocks. This is Marcus Alonson and today's podcast will be about Dynamics Got Talent. And with me today I have Rachel Prophet from RSM. Rachel Prophet is a Microsoft MVP and started her career in Exapta version 2.5 more than 17 years ago. Since then she has been in various roles regarding Dynamics AX and later Dynamics 365 Finance and Operation, ranging various roles from IT help desk and training to implementation and solution architect with a very strong background in the retail, manufacturing, food and beverage and life science industries. She is very passionate about training and helping users understand how to get the most out of their ERP implementations. Welcome, Rachel Prophet. Thanks, Marcus. Happy to be here. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. So 17 years in the ERP industry, that's a lot. Yeah, I like to joke that I started when I was 12, but I probably was a little older than that. <laughs> yeah. So as a director and solution architect at RSM, what is it that you do? Sure. So um, primarily I'm focused on helping our existing clients get more value out of their dynamics investments. Um, so I spend a lot of time working with clients that are on older releases and looking to upgrade. But I also work with clients who are already on Dynamics 365 or they're looking to add on another module or another app in the D365 suite and just helping them architect that solution and uh, take the best advantages they can out of the Power Platform. So what have you been up to most recently? Well, I just got back from Australia. Um, from the very first, it was the inaugural uh, user group summit over there in Australia. I had um, nine speaking sessions over there. Wow, uh, got that's a lot. Yeah. So I got to engage with a lot of new faces and new people, um, you know, from that side of the world and learn a little bit about the Australian culture. So uh, that was really exciting for me and getting ready to to go to the user group summit that's coming up here in North America as well. Okay, so this is recorded on the 10th of September, but it's actually just going to be released in the 14th of November. So we have a bit of a time shifting here for you and me then. Okay. Um, so do you enjoy these user groups meetings? I do. I really enjoy being able to network and meet new people. Um, and like I said, I, I'm, I'm really passionate about training and just kind of helping people understand Dynamics 365, um, you know, or AX 2012 or whatever version they might be using. So um, I think these user group meetings are a great place to network and learn and share. How does ERP and finance and operations connect with talent then? So um, Dynamics 365 for talent is obviously, you know, given the namesake, um, part of that whole 365 product suite, um, but it is a separate application. So that means it is a separate database. Um, but just like we have integrations between customer engagement and finance and operations, we also have integrations between um, talent and finance and operations. So, so there are a couple of different areas and talents. What what are they? 
Yeah, so talent kind of breaks down into three main or core areas. So we have the attract side of things, which is really focused around the recruiting functionality um, and offer management. Then there's onboarding, which is really focused towards, um, you know, that point from when someone signs their offer letter um, to kind of becoming a new member of your organization and, and well beyond as well. So just keeping them engaged. Um, and then there's the core HR, which is your more traditional um, HRIS type system um, that has all that functionality that you would expect, like compensation management, benefits management, leave and absence management, and so on. So what are the key features in the areas or the separate areas to you? You know, so on the attract side, um, I think one of the biggest areas that Microsoft has really made some investments in is just the integration story between not just LinkedIn, there's also a broad bean integration, but also um, the kind of Office 365 and the scheduling aspects, I think are probably some of the most powerful features. But they've also done some great work to integrate it with other Office 365 products like the Microsoft Forms Pro so that you can embed surveys and quizzes into your hiring process. They've also done some things where you can embed Power Apps, um, YouTube videos, um, Sway, or stream videos as well, which I think can be really powerful to kind of help recruiters streamline that whole hiring process. From an onboarding perspective, um, you know, the one of the key focuses in areas that I think Microsoft has done really well with there is again, all those same Office 365 integrations where I can put forms and surveys, et cetera, um, quizzes, those types of things into the onboarding checklist. But we also have the ability to um, start engaging with people. Um, and a lot of times in the HR world, it's referred to as pre-boarding. Uh, so from the time they sign their offer letter. Um, and I actually think that's really key in today's um, hiring market to be able to start engaging employees. There's oftentimes a, a delay or a lag from the date you sign an offer letter to the day you actually start your job. Um, and statistics show that a lot of people, you know, quit, um, you know, even before their first day or very shortly thereafter um, for lots of different reasons. And I think keeping engaged with your employees and being able to kind of get them excited about their new job um, and make them comfortable, make them feel welcome um, and starting to get them immersed into your culture, I think is is really key um, and an area that I think Microsoft has has made some great investments and has great functionality to show for that. Um, and then on the core HR side, it's a lot bigger. Um, you know, Microsoft started from the human resources module that was originally found over in the finance and operations or the AX side of it. So all that functionality that we expect or had in the HR module is still there so we can set up our workers and so on. But we also have additional functionality to uh, help with all of that personnel management. Um, because it's built kind of similarly to finance and operations, we get the power of all of the integration tools and all of the platform that is available for finance and operations. So there's great personalization options, the data management framework that makes it very easy to integrate with other 
um, applications um, is, is another great feature that I just get because it's built on that uh, same platform. But from a core HR perspective and a functionality perspective, Microsoft has really made a lot of investments into um, the employee and manager self-service experiences uh, to make it easy to use and um, make it easy to deploy as well. But then when you also kind of think about it, the fact that we're similar to the customer engagement architecture and we have the CDS and part of our back end is the CDS, we also get some of the power um, that comes along with the architecture and the platform of um, the customer engagement side of things and everything that comes along with the common data service, the e ability to very easily embed power apps, um, new functionality coming later this fall um, around flows. But we also have the ability to have Power BI dashboards that are just embedded right in. Um, and Microsoft continues to make investments in the functionality. Um, and there's a lot of exciting things on the roadmap, um, especially around their direction with benefits. They've already made great improvements about around benefits, open enrollment, and they continue to make more investments there, leave in absence, um, compensation management. And then they also have their integration with Ceridian from a payroll perspective. So I think there's a lot of different things going on for the product and a lot of modules and features that kind of help um, you know, give us a well-rounded solution for, you know, HR, uh, IS solutions or replacement of those types of solutions. Okay. So there was a lot of information. And so I will try to go back a little bit to attract them because you talked about, okay, they have integrations to LinkedIn. And that's really good if we're searching for professionals that are typically in LinkedIn, like consultants, like you, me, right? But exactly. do they integrate with other systems where perhaps LinkedIn isn't the primary locations? If if I say doctors, perhaps they're not on LinkedIn. They perhaps have some other network that they engage in. Yeah, great question. So uh, that's where the Broadbean integration comes in. And if you're not familiar with Broadbean, Broadbean is a um, job um, board posting service, if you will. And they have thousands of connectors available out there to a variety of job boards that um, that includes you know things that might be custom for doctors there's oftentimes unions labor unions have specific um, job boards and sites that they post to but it also integrates to some of the other more common job boards that you might be familiar with such as um, monster.com or career builder or um, you know a number of those other kind of big name um, job posting boards that are uh, more common in depending on the type of industry but there's hundreds of them out there um, I've I've kind of scrolled through their website before and there's there's so many many of them I've never even heard of. Some of them are very country specific. Some of them are very industry specific. And so Broadbean is a great option to allow you to connect to lots of different types of job boards. Um, and if Broadbean isn't really what makes sense for you because we are built on the common data service, um, we can use things like Microsoft Flow in order to build out our own integrations to other job boards that might be specific. So if you're just looking for that one kind of niche 
um, job board, you can pretty easily build out your own integrations using Microsoft Flow. Have you seen connectors to and some governmentals as well? But perhaps the government is saying, okay, every government organization has to post their job offerings here because, yeah, regulations. Yeah, I think um, that, that'll probably differ a little bit from country to country. Um, I know that Broadbean does have some integrations to government sites. Um, obviously, their availability in, in different countries will be different. Um, you know, and again, like if you've got something niche and Broadbean doesn't cover it, I would encourage you to look to using Microsoft Flow to build out your own integration. Yeah, and perhaps just the the pro forms or sorry forms pro could oh enlist here and we will get it uh, in inside the systems on the attract yeah absolutely forms is a great way to be able to capture that additional information uh, that you need and then using flow we can push and pull that data back and forth between any systems that we need to Onboarding is really the process to get every everyone in, or new employees, right? Mm -hmm. Mostly into the organization. So you said, okay, it's important to engage them even before they've started. So is that like with the culture and with emails and get that up and gone going? Or do you think it's broader than that? I think it can be broader than that. And I think... Um you know, some companies that are doing onboarding well and, and have good retention rates are doing this. So I think it's a shift in um, our mindsets. You know, when I was hired, I didn't have any of these kind of bells and whistles. But I think as the, the job market changes and we've got these this younger, you know, more technologically advanced generation coming into the workplace, expectations are changing of the workforce. Um, I think you know, it's obviously important, I think, to, to make sure that they know what's expected of them. But um, and a lot of times onboarding with HR is just that new hire paperwork. And while that's great, that's important. It needs to be done. We have to fill out these forms. We have to select our benefit options, etc. Um, there's a lot more to being successful in your career um, and wanting to stay with a company than you know, your benefits, enrollment, and, you know, filling out your new hire paperwork. And that's where I think the culture aspects and the training aspects um, bring a lot of opportunity, I think, for companies to think about, well, what else can I do uh, to help engage my workers? Um, you know, and from a pre-boarding standpoint, introducing them to the company, introducing them to some of the people that they're going to work with, um, getting them excited about your culture and starting to embed them in that culture, I think is, is key as well. Have you seen scenarios where they've set up the account beforehand and invite them to Teams group and sort of get them engaged in there as well. Yeah, you know, and that's a great idea. I haven't seen anyone, um, you know, in, engage people in a Teams integration before they start, but it's an interesting idea. Um, I think onboarding gives us an easy way to, you know, send emails, provide them videos, give them documents um, to read or documents that we need them to fill out or surveys, things like that. Um, before their first day. 
Um, and you absolutely could very easily integrate with Teams. I haven't seen a lot of people um, setting up their accounts, though, and giving them access to something like a team site before their first day. And that's something that, you know, depending on the industry and the country, you, you could consider. But um, some countries have laws and things like that around um, asking people to do work or perform tasks um, if they haven't actually started a job or a position yet. But um, if you're doing something that's more of a cultural or a fun type of thing to help engage, I think that there's definitely could be a place for, for something like that. But I think post, you know, that day one, and there's controls inside of the onboarding checklist to decide, do I wanna show this to them before their first day or wait until after they've been hired? Um, I have that control to limit them so they can only do certain things once they've actually started their job and they have their logins and so on. Um, when they're pre-boarding, they typically don't log in with like your at company.com email address. They're logging in with their Gmail or a LinkedIn or a Microsoft account or, you know, something like that, um, which is their personal email. So I think there's definitely opportunity, um, but it's also something that you'll want to be thoughtful about in terms of any regulations um, in your country, region, or industry. Yeah, I was, of course, considering if it's legal. Uh, but, I mean, the things I want to empower the, the upcoming employees with is that, that culture, that water cooler or coffee area that I don't really have because they're not present, right? So I want to influence them and give them the feeling of, okay, we're welcoming you here. We're looking forward to you. Yep, absolutely. Like, so even though they're not able to interact in person with you, I think there's still a lot of ways to um, start embedding them into your culture. Oftentimes organizations have extracurricular activities. It, you know, you might have a, a softball team. Um, you might have after work activities that are coming up that, you know, you could invite them to. Um, even if it's just, you know, a video uh, explaining to them, you know, who they're going to be working with. Um, you know, we actually use talent internally here at RSM. And one of the things that we do is we actually give all of our new hires a, a video of our CEO welcoming them to the organization and um, giving them a little bit of background about, you know, the company and the vision. So I think something like that can even be helpful in uh, a new hire adapting to the, the culture and what to expect when they get there. But even little things like, you know, a video tour of your office. So when they get there, they know where stuff is at um, and, and how to get into the building and where they're supposed to go. Um, even friendly little things about like, you know, lunch, you know, where, where, where do people go? What do they do for lunch? You know, do, do they have groups? Is there a cafeteria? Should, is there a, a refrigerator that I can bring my, my lunch into work? Or are there restaurants in the area? Or are there groups of people that like to go out? And I think helping embed them into even little things like that can make a big difference in, you know, their feeling of comfort and feeling of welcome, you know, when they, when they come on that first day. So what's your favorite areas in talent then? That is a tough question. Um, I think um, that's a tough one. I, I, if I had to pick just one, if I had to pick just one, I think I would pick um, 
the onboarding functionality because I think it has transformed our relationship with our new hires. Um, and we've actually, our onboarding guides go an entire year past their hire date um, to help keep them engaged throughout that year. And I think it is making a big difference in our new hires. And it's kind of one of those things I'm almost, you know, like hashtag jealous of. Wish I would have had something like that when I started my job. Okay, that's really interesting to see that you have a year after they actually started, that's when the onboarding sort of stops from that process from talent point of view then. Yeah, you know, and we're actually, um, we haven't gone live with it yet, but one of the things we're looking at doing, because we're in the consulting business, so our consultants, you know, get assigned to a client, you know, on a particular project, and they might be on that project anywhere from three months to two years, depending on what that project is. And um, transitioning from one client to another client, you know, being that our business is all around services is really important to us. Um, and it can be difficult to transition off of one client and on to the next client, knowing what the expectations are, what was sold in the statement of work, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we're actually looking at implementing um, the, the onboarding guides and using it for transitions from one client or one project to another as a way to keep employees engaged and, and set those expectations of what they need to do. Um, and giving them that checklist, if you will. So, um, you know, onboarding is kind of a silly word if you think of it in that sense. But, you know, if you think of it like project onboarding or client onboarding, uh, there's a lot of value you can bring to your employees to help them be prepared for whatever that next project is um, in their career. You can also use it for other things like promotion. So let's say someone gets promoted to manager for example, now that they're in this new position, there's a good chance that your organization has new expectations and there might be some new trainings and things that you want to do to help make sure that they're successful in that job. Because the last thing you want is for them to quit, right? You've you obviously found value in that employee that you promoted them. You don't want them to leave. You've probably been investing in them for you know the last several years and now you're, you're paying them more money, you're giving them more responsibility. You don't want them to quit because replacing them is going to cost you a lot more. So keeping engaged with them, setting those expectations, making sure they're happy in their role and understand how to be successful in their role is key to, um, you know, retention. So these onboarding processes, can they help me with automating the stuff also, or is it more the checklist? These are the emails that we're going to send. These are the activities that we're going to do. And then we sort of send the emails and do the activities manually. Or can the products actually help me with, okay, run this email here at this point in time? Um, you know, it's not really intended for, you know, like a full-on workflow. There's another feature in the Core HRR side called business processes that, um, is more intended for kind of what you're describing um, that I would probably look to for, you know, hey, send this email, do this step, et cetera. That's more like a, a business process or a workflow. Um, whereas like onboarding is is your checklist, but there definitely can be some automation behind that. And I'll just give you one example of automation that we've done 
uh, for a client, which was, um, you know, when someone gets hired, right, they have to get added to all these different systems and they have to get added into the Azure Active Directory, their user and the security, et cetera, all had to be set up. And it was a very manual process. Someone in IT was logging into all these different systems and they didn't always have all the right information or requests. And so because it's all part of that that Microsoft um, 365 platform, we were able to kind of create a task in the, the checklist, if you will, that, you know, after it's, you know, the form is filled out and the request is made, it actually goes out to Microsoft Flow, creates the user and Azure, Azure Active Directory, adds them to the other systems that they need to be added to, sets up the CRM user, sets up the, the talent user, whatever other systems you need to connect to. And now when someone's hired, I don't need to worry about how are we adding them to all the other systems and are they getting the right access? And same thing when that employment ends, you know, they've resigned or um, we've had to let them go. Am I taking all that access away? And we can automate all of those things using Microsoft Flow because I have access to the office graph and all of my common data service information for uh, customer engagement, finance and operations, business central, um, and, and many, many other types of applications as well, because we have all those connectors that are available out there with Flow. So I think there is opportunity for some automation, depending on what it is, but it's not intended to be a workflow or business process flow type tool. Yeah, but that type of process that you described is really powerful to know that I can do that, mm -hmm. that it is enabled with Flow, so I can do these other things that I do automate with Flow. And I think that's the way forward. Workflow, sure, that's the customer engagement point of view or, yeah, point of view from dynamics. But I think Flow is sort of the way forward because... It has so much capabilities that you describe, looking yeah. at graph, doing Azure AD stuff. Absolutely. So if we go to core HR, you described this sort of um, place where I can do the benefits and the education and stuff like that. So do you have like a plan for courses and stuff in there as well? So you have this further education there? Great question. And this actually comes up a lot. Um, so there is a learning module inside of the core HR that allows me to keep track of courses, certification, um, skills, etc. that my employees are taking. But it's really important to note that Dynamics 365 for Talent is not an LMS. It's not a learning management system. Um, it can very easily integrate with other learning management systems, but it's not a repository for your videos and your e-learning and your self-paced, you know, type training. Um, but, you know, things like LinkedIn Learning, right, I can very easily add a course and put the URL, you know, out to that course in my system and track whether or not people are taking that. We can integrate with other things like Eventbrite or like a full LMS system like a Litmos or a Cornerstone or other types of systems like that that actually have that content creation, authoring, and deployment functionality um, as well. So there's a, a lot of 
options there, but it, I think it would be most important to note that it is not an LMS system. Um, and although at one point it was on Microsoft's roadmap, it is not on their roadmap anymore. Uh, they're really trying to, I think, focus efforts in some other modules and areas right now. And who knows, it might come back at some point in the future. It's just not a top priority for them right now because there are so many good LMS systems out there. I think their, their story is, you know, use whatever LMS makes sense for your organization and integrate to it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about, that you have this learning, Microsoft learning, where you have all these on online courses that you can take in every Dynamics product possible or other products. And you have Pluralsight and, as you said, um, LinkedIn Learning. So I think that's enough from that point of view. Mine was more like, okay, we want them to know more about, let's say, talent. Okay, do these free courses and get certified and have your cert in Learn. And then we can give you another bonus because that's the value to us. Absolutely. And it does give you the ability to track what courses people are taking, what certifications people have. Um, and that can be a manual process where users enter that or HR enters it on behalf of other users um, or managers can even do it on behalf of their team members. Um, but the content would still be managed elsewhere. Yeah, and I agree with you. I don't think that talent is the place for the content because there's too many great offers elsewhere. Exactly. So you talked about payments. Have you ever seen AX used for sort of payments through salaries? So um, on the finance and operations side, there is a payroll module today. Um, and um, you technically could use that payroll module to, to pay salaries, bonuses, expenses, etc. Um, but Microsoft pretty recently, actually within the last month or so, actually announced that they're going to be deprecating the payroll functionality. So if you're looking for payroll functionality and you don't already have it, I would not suggest that you start implementing it because it's going away. Um, from a payroll perspective, um, what my, Microsoft has done is they built out an integration to uh, Ceridian. Um, and so Ceridian is a payroll provider um, that they've kind of connected with. It's pretty plug and play. You put in a couple of parameters, URLs, um, et cetera, um, and it's good to go. Uh, you, you can be up and running pretty quickly with that Ceridian payroll integration. Um, and it, it takes all of the benefits enrollment. It takes all the compensation information, the leave and absence information, et cetera, from talent and sends that up to Ceridian so it can calculate the payroll. Checks are cut directly through um, Ceridian, um, whether you're pr printing checks or you're doing direct deposit or some other form of payment. Um, but if Ceridian isn't you know, available in your country or region or you have other payroll requirements that Ceridian can't meet, you also have the ability to integrate to other payroll providers. And there's obviously there's hundreds and hundreds of, of payroll providers out there in the world. Um, but as we have the data management workspace which is an integration framework that was originally built on finance and operations, we do have that ability to 
you know, very easily kind of take that um, and um, integrate our talent data into any payroll system of your choice. But um, talent and finance and operations are not a payroll system themselves. What did you call the integration framework? It's called the data management workspace. So it's, it's, um, it's a workspace that's inside of the system administration module, inside of both talent and in the finance and operation um, application. Okay. So these three areas in talent, would you call them different applications or how do you talk to customers about this? Great question. So, um, in general, I talk about them as one application and technically, you know, architecturally, it's probably three applications from a licensing perspective. It's either one or it's two. Um, onboarding can be licensed as an application by itself um, and you can get up and going with onboarding very quickly, very easily. Um, those licenses can be bought through your Office 365 portal. Um, you know, and just with a handful of licenses at uh, the list price is eight US dollars per user per month. It's like a team user, um, pretty inexpensive. And um, it really the only people that require those licenses are the people who are setting up the checklists, monitoring the progress of the checklists and so on. It's not actually needed for the, every single employee that you're hiring. No, it's sort of an admin user, the ones yeah. administrating the systems, right? Yeah. Um, but when you buy full talent licenses, you do not um, have to pay extra to get onboarding. You get Core HR Attract and onboarding together. So there's two basic ways to buy it. Uh, but in general, when I'm talking with my clients and trying to sell it, I usually... Um, position it as one application, the whole thing, unless someone's only looking for onboarding, in which case I would just sell them the, the onboarding SKU by itself. Are customers interested where data land, if it's in the CDS or if it's in the finance and operations part of dynamics? Um, you know, I think by and large, the users don't really care. Um, when you're trying to integrate with other pieces of software, um, IT people probably care a little bit because the integration story between CDS and CRM, you know, or customer engagement, for example, is going to be a lot easier than trying to use the data management tools. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's an interesting topic because... Um, and there's a lot of pain points today because from a talent perspective, the, the application is sealed, which means you can't actually make modifications to it. Now, there's a lot of tools, I'll call them, um, where you can add fields, you can you know, do some basic things, but it's not nearly as robust from a um, extensibility standpoint as finance and operations or even the common data service and what you can do from a customer engagement perspective. You can't just change a form or change a screen to look different um, in talent. Um, you have to build power apps and embed them. So I think that makes a difference. Um, 
and when you're trying to integrate talent with other systems, where the data lands will make a big difference in the technology that you choose to integrate. So where does data land from these three types of areas then? Great question. So any data that is from attract or onboarding is 100% in the CDS. There are some, I'll call them synchronization jobs for lack of better terms. Um, synchronizations of specific key data that will get copied from the common data service into the core HR. Core HR is 100% in like the same database structure like what finance and operations is, but it is its own database, so it's not the same database, it's just the same structure, the same type of database that finance and operations is in. And there is also a CDS that covers, um, right now it's a pretty small percentage of the database, but um, a big part of their roadmap is adding more and more of the data that exists in the, the talent database into the CDS. So the October release is bringing a lot more entities and they, they have a pretty um, aggressive roadmap to continue adding that data. The interesting thing is from a technology standpoint, it's, it's different. It's doing its own thing. It's not using the dual right capabilities that were just released for finance and operations and um, customer engagement to synchronize data. It's using its own architecture and technology to synchronize that data between uh, talent and the CDS. So it's, I know it's a complicated answer, but hopefully it, it, it explains that data is not really in one place. It's kind of in two, but not all of it. Some of it's in one. Yeah, and, and probably as you say, people don't really care as much, but perhaps it is these integration scenarios. Okay, they've signed, I want the flow, but then I want them as employer table somewhere else because I want to continue working with them there, over there, wherever there is. Exactly. I think it's it makes it a little bit more technically challenging. Um, from an integration or an extensibility standpoint, you know, the a developer needs to be familiar with both uh, the data management kind of FNO talent, you know, integration tool set, but also be familiar with the common data service uh, tool set as well. So it's it's in some in some ways I say it's the best of both worlds, but in other ways you might argue that it's it's more complicated, it's more difficult, and it's it's the worst of both worlds, but it, I guess yeah. empty your glass half full, like which one yeah. do you want to look at it? <laughs> okay, so does Talent have any on-premise version for either customer engagement for the CDS part or any from AX2012 parts that I can do if I have on-premises? No, it, talent is definitely different from CE and FNO in that perspective that it is only available in the cloud as a software as a service. And it's it's really a true software as a service. Um, it's, it's different than CE and FNO in the way they push updates as well, um, just from an architecture standpoint. Um, and the other point to make is that talent is not in near as many Azure data centers um, as 
CE and FNO are available in. So you're, you are still limited to which countries you can deploy talent in right now as well. That list grows. Each release, they, they typically add some more countries and more languages that they're supporting, but um, it is only available in the cloud and it's not as complete even as the cloud offering that we have for CE or FNO. So is this a fairly new offerings in your mind then? Um, yes and no. I think, right, talent has been around for, you know, it's been a skew out there for maybe two years, maybe three years. Um, so from that perspective, it's still pretty young. Um, and there's not a lot of clients that are live on it. I mean, there's obviously clients that are live. Um, I think it tends to get bundled up with finance and operations deals. And that's the way it's licensed today. Like they make it very easy for finance and operation customers to implement talent. It's just included with the licensing when you buy FNO. Um, the downside to that is ERP implementations tend to be, you know, one to two years in length, whereas, you know, a CRM or customer engagement deployment is likely to go a lot faster. And and likewise, a, a, a talent by itself deployment would, would likely go a lot faster as well. So um, from that sense, it, it's new. But at the same point, I also go, the, the HR module, which is what talent was originally kind of built off of, they took the HR module out of uh, finance and operations, if you will, like almost like copied it and was like, okay, we're going to put this over here. We're going to call it its own thing and we're going to start enhancing it. Um, so from that perspective, it's been around since the inception of Exapta, right? Um, Exapta, okay. even way back in the day, had a an HR module and it's continued to grow and improve over the years. Microsoft made some acquisitions, you know, at some point to really enhance it, but the decision to split it out, you know, and make it its own skew, I think is gives people the illusion that it's, it's new or it's very young, it's unproven, but if you think of it in terms of, well, it, it really was the HR module and yes, they've enhanced it a lot since then. Um, it's been around forever. It's been around for, 20 years um because it, it is the hr module that was in ax um it's just gotten a lot better and a lot bigger um and i imagine at some point we'll start seeing some of the features in finance and operations in the hr module start to kind of get turned off if you will payroll being one of the first big ones but there's a lot of duplicative functionality between the two but the interesting thing to to point out is like leave an absence for example there's functionality in finance and operations but microsoft has not made any enhancements or investments to that functionality it's the same functionality that was there in 2012 r3 but they've made huge investments in enhancing that functionality in benefits is another area where they've made lots of in, in investments and enhancements to in dynamics 365 for talent but those same changes don't exist in FNO. So at some point, I, I would imagine that benefits and leave and absence and some of those other features that aren't really necessary in the ERP will start to slowly get turned off and they'll stop supporting them. But there's a lot of people who were using them. So I think they need to give people time to have a transition plan and so on in place before they just start pulling the plug on features that people have been used to for so long. 
perhaps they use this licensing scheme and then to sort of move them over because it's included but you still have to pay for the work to move the functionality over to that other side then exactly and i think that's probably part of why they've incentivized the licensing to fno customers because it was it was there all along um and i think as the the tools for the common data service and dual right um and even the dynamics integrator improve i think we'll probably start to see more and more people uptaking the the talent functionality instead of the hr module um but it's definitely something to kind of think about, you know, if you're implementing those features directly in finance and operations, it would be something that I would, would be top of my mind in terms of roadmap and worry of, you know, at some point they're going to get rid of this and, and what's my roadmap, what's my game plan to, to migrate and, and even just take advantage of the investments that Microsoft's making from an HR perspective. You're not getting any of those investments if you're running the HR module in directly in finance and operation. If you were at the helm at Microsoft for this application, what would be your first sort of effort for change in the application? Um, 100% CDS. <laughs> I think um, from an integration standpoint, that is probably, you know, in, in my experiences from trying to implement not having all of those entities available there and not having the tool set available to me is, I, I, I almost want to say crippling because the application is sealed. So I can't write X plus plus to change the system, which means I have to do it through a power app, whether that's Canvas or model driven app. But if the data is not living in the C common data service, I how am I going to write a, a power app on top of that that I can then go put back in the user interface. And I think having 100% or, or near 100% data in the common data service so that we can light up more extensibility scenarios would be my number one push. Um, and, and I think that's also Microsoft's number one focus from what I can tell. Um, there's definitely a few other areas they're focusing on, but that would be my number one. Have you seen that on roadmaps or, or hints at that all the other areas of talent are moving into CDS? Yeah, there's actually a lot on the roadmap. So if, if you go out to the roadmap website, um, you can actually see what their, their plans are. And, you know, there's several things that talk about it. Um, and, you know, there's definitely a lot happening in terms of, of the CDS. And I think getting there is, is just this stepping stone, if you will, to, in, to light up and enable a lot of these other scenarios that they want to be able to do, but haven't been able to because that data is not in the CDS. So what's the future like for Dynamics 365 for talent? You know, I think the future is bright. Um, when you look at the roadmap, there's a lot of great things on it. And I think the talent team is innovating and adapting, um, implementing new functionality and features at a very fast pace. I mean, they're doing pretty much monthly releases. Um, and uh, I think they've done a great job of, of baby stepping and not kind of trying to overdo it with new big features. Um, so I think from that perspective, um, it can only go up. I, I don't think we're going to go backwards at this point. I don't think we're looking at a Windows Vista here. 
And hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not. So do you think that Dynamics got talent just like America's got talent then? I think, yeah, I, I think um, the the market is, is missing a lot of talent right now. People who are, are uptaking it. And I think part of that's just from this confusion of is it finance and ops or is it you know, customer engagement? Well, the answer is it's neither. Um, and if you're interested in kind of getting into the talent space, um, you know, what I oftentimes tell people is, you know, it, everyone understands HR. You, in, you, you interact with HR in your own personal job probably pretty frequently. So we all understand what it's like to be an employee and be hired and, you know, put yourself in, in the shoes of the HR person. So I think, or a manager, um, I think we all understand a certain amount of HR, um, no matter who you are, just because we all have to interact with it. So I think, um, you know, whether you have CRM skills or AX skills today, I think, um, those are all skills that will translate and help you learn talent. Um, but keep an open mind, you're going to have to learn some skills that would be required on the other side, too. So where do I go if I want to know more? Um, so there's a, a number of different resources um, that you can get more information, um, including the Docs website. Um, the roadmap, the Microsoft roadmap has um, a lot of great information. Another one that I would suggest, too, is because it, it is still young, in a certain respect, I would encourage you if you've got ideas or things that they can improve on um, or features that you are looking for or hoping for is make sure that you're going out to the ideas website and, um, you know, getting those um, ideas voted up or submitting those ideas and, and then emailing your friends and family and your mom to stuff the ballot box um, yeah. Yeah. To, to get people looking looking at those those ideas. Um, so there's a full e-learning course available on the Dynamics Learning Portal uh, that you can get access to. So there's a lot of resources. And I don't know, Marcus, um, are we able to put like a, like a, a list of links because I can give you actual URL yeah. to get to these on the site when you post. Just send them to me and I will include them in the show notes so everyone can find both the docs and ideas and whatever you have. Yep. I, Easy. I can send those over to you. Not a problem at all. So do you have any public speaking where we can find you next then? Yep, absolutely. I will be, um, I'm going to be at the user group uh, summit in North America. Um, I've also got a couple of Dynamics 365 Saturday events coming up. Um, I'll be in Kansas City. I will also be um, working on one in February of next year in the Chicago area. Um, and we're also trying to pin down some dates for a Fort Lauderdale event here in North America. But if there's a speaking event and it's Dynamics 365 related, you can pretty much assume I'll be there. So look me up, find me, shake my hand. Yeah, do you ever sleep? I don't. <laughs> Every now and then when I'm on the airplane, I sleep. <laughs> Holy. Yeah, I'm impressed. 
that that's what I'm trying to say. I'm really impressed. So do you have a links to self-promotion, your blog, uh, LinkedIn or anything that, yeah, that you would like people to know? You can find my blog. It's um, www.dynamics365lady.com. And I'll also get you the link to find me on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm Rachel Profit on both sites. One F, two T's. Uh, so it's, it's super easy to find me, but I'll make sure you get the links as well. Thank you, Rachel Profit, for your participation in CM Rocks. Yeah, thank you so much, Marcus, for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And thanks to you listening. Don't forget, just search for CM Rocks. You will find it on Facebook or just on the web and post a comment. And see you next time on CM Rocks.